You are listening to Lockdown, recorded live at RSA Conference 2016. Brought to you by Red Hat and TheStack.com. Recorded live at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. Sitting in San Francisco, joined on the microphone by Raj Samani. Now, Raj wrote the book when it comes to differentiating between what security risk actually means to the enterprise decision maker and what is basically just corporate stupidity. Would you agree with that? Um, well, so so actually, I've done five books, actually, um, just to get it out there, um, all available on Amazon. Um, but no, I, so, so I actually wrote books on cloud computing and actually cloud security. And, you know, I spoke yesterday about the concept of cloud security, and I said there is no such concept of cloud security. You know, there is there are companies providing services. They call it cloud. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And, you know, the challenge that you face is trying to figure out which ones are good and which ones aren't because, the, the, you know, the challenge isn't cloud security. The challenge is cloud transparency. That's the challenge that we face. But you've taken Intel on a very prolific adolescence now into a position where, you know, you're heard very much as a voice of authority. Not my wife would disagree. Well, my wife would disagree, but, I'm, but seriously, you know, in in the UK press and also, you know, when you hold court on stage, you're you're held with you know a great amount of esteem, not just because of the position that you hold, but because you can be an argumentative sod. But more importantly, I think you know you argue your case with conviction. Yeah, I think that's a polite way of saying I'm an opinionated sod. Yeah. Um, but no, but but you know what? I, I think it's important to kind of put a different perspective on things and to challenge, you know, people's beliefs. I mean, because this is a brand new environment. I mean, you know, yesterday we were talking about CASBs and the use of CASBs and. Mm-hmm. You know, we just haven't like CASBs aren't even really in in mainstream society, and I think, you know, it's important we begin to challenge people's perceptions of how we're going to be leveraging these technologies. And you know, I mean, to be honest with you, Richard, I'm I'm really nervous because, you know, I've seen water companies using cloud services for cleaning water through cloud services where they turn around and say, well, you don't need antivirus because you're in the cloud, and so. Like, I think we have a responsibility, you, me, and, and the industry, to make sure that we have those controls in place, because I don't want to be drinking water from a company that's using a cloud service who don't think they need any form of security. You know, you're, as well as being here at Intel, you are a stalwart of the Cloud Security Alliance. Now, I bang my drum and tweet prolifically about the CSA. Um, I've talked to you in Amsterdam, recorded a podcast with you to, at the CSA Congress. We're now in a world order which marches on tick boxes, on governance. Do you think that industry takes it seriously? I, I think the tools that we have are not appropriate for the importance of the data that we're hosting today. Um, and, and actually, you know, I... I'm a big supporter of cloud. I've actually got tattoos of cloud, but not those types of cloud. Um, but I, I really think things like you know continuous audit, you know like cloud audit and continuous assessments will be the de facto standard as we move forward. But like you said, you know, being able to determine assurance on some bloke walking around every twelve months ticking boxes is unacceptable. But what about things like persistent threat? Where do you think you know the understanding lies now? I mean, it, it's almost like a new world order. Five, ten years ago, we had developers who were in the back office 
and you threw them some code and they developed mm -hmm. your database. Now, almost like these DevOps guys are rock stars. Yeah, we're all rock stars, aren't we? <laughs> but no, seriously, you look at the developers, the, the place in their food chain and corporate IT is completely changed now. These guys are building the next stage of ambition where companies want to go, yet they don't seem to understand security by design. It's all retrofitting. Yeah, but I think the same can be said about us as an industry. I mean, you know, I, I remember when I started, I mean, I used to work in tech support. And even when I actually first got into security, people were kind of, yeah, I, I was talking to the IT director if I was lucky. And I, I'm now doing things like talking to presidents and prime ministers and, and, and real rock stars. I mean, people that actually can have talent, you know what I mean? Like mm. people that can play the guitar and stuff. And, and what we do is is so, I, I hate to use the word intrinsic because I'm not a consultant, but you know, it's, it's so intrinsic, intrinsically important towards the success of companies that, that actually being a techie and having technical knowledge means that actually we are important to, to industry and to society. When you sit down in front of these people and you define what you think threat is, do they understand that it's actually also about protecting their reputation? I think you have examples. So, you know, like actually, actually you know, if you look at Ashley Madison and, and you know, that, that's, that's a good case in point. You know, here you had a company which, whose brand was trust. I mean, that was what they sold. They sold trust and discretion. They didn't, you know, there was nothing else to it. I mean, obviously there was sure. other things to it. And this company were going to be floated on the stock exchange. I doubt they're going to be floated on the stock exchange mm. now. You know, and trying to get 37 million people to put like the most insecure, you know, the, the most intimate details of sexual preferences now on a website, it's going to be difficult for them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we can leverage examples, but but I think it's important that, you know, and, and I think as an industry, we've done that too much. We've kind of looked at examples and said, look at them. Oh my God, you don't want to be the next insert company here. One of the things that I'm really looking to do now is change the discussion and talk about this concept of value, because I believe trust has value. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I believe, genuinely believe, personal data will be the, our next currency of our future generation. Mm -hmm. I believe my children won't be carrying cards, but they'll be using electronic wallets where they can share personal data and maybe get an omelette out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but but can you imagine a world in which these digital assets have value, then all of a sudden people are going to go, okay, now I need to start considering trust and, and privacy and all of these things that come with it. As we, as we march on, we have companies such as Intel with your security services team. Dynamic growth, it, you know, it, you've come such a long way with Intel. I, you know, I'm, I'm not just saying this, but I'm, you know, honestly, I'm having a blast. Um, you know, the... I think since we got acquired by Intel, honestly, it's like a techie's dream. Um, you know, if I turn around and say we want to do stuff in automotive, they've got connections there. If we, you know, I'm doing a, a smart grid deployment, I'm designing smart cities and stuff. And you know, and I think in I think in part, but I think a large part of that is not only the industry has moved on with now talking at these levels, but actually, you know what, Intel has relationships and contacts and technologies and teams. I mean. You know, we were doing some work and I said, I, I, I need to understand more about the USB, you know, more about the USB standard. And here's the guy at Intel that invented it. Mm. Or I want to learn more about like wireless privacy, you know, and, and I want to learn about wireless encryption. Well, here's the guy that invented that. So from a techie's perspective, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. It seems to be the place, you know, I don't say where dinosaurs go to die because that's rude. We, Alan Cox, ex-Red Hat, now Intel. 
we've got some great talent uh, and and you know it's it's fun it's a fun place to be um you know i mean i i was saying actually you know i i was in barcelona last week and i had a keynote at mobile world congress this is my first time speaking at mobile world congress it's my first time speaking at rsa actually mm. um i'm speaking at cbit on the keynote stage i mean that's never really happened to me before mm. it's putting bullets in your gun but i think also people are now starting to sit up and realize that there's nowhere to hide well, and, and you know, funny enough, um, actually this morning we just published a piece of research um, and the piece of research was around manual targeted ransomware. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I mean, you all saw the story, right? There was a hospital that were hit by a ransomware attack. Yep. Patients, emergency patients were being turned away. That's the very real impact of what we're having. And, and in part because bad guys are innovating. Now, I, I don't know if everyone's kind of aware of this, but when, when you have a ransomware attack, there's an encryption key and a decryption key. And generally speaking, if we're lucky, when we when we disrupt a C2 infrastructure, we can take the decryption key when we've seized it and make it available to industry. One key, one family. But these guys encrypted every single file individually with a different key. Mm-hmm. So if you have a thousand files which are locked, that's a thousand keys. Mm. So we're seeing, you know, and here's a remarkable thing. We talk about, you know, skill shortages and skills gaps and, you know, we're trying to get staff from company X and company Y. But actually, we're also up against the bad guys. And, you know, CryptoWall made 325 million US dollars for the bad guys. Mm. That's quite a lot of money, you know. And do, do, do you think, though, that people understand what the term, what the term state-sponsored terrorism actually means? You know, I, I think it's an interesting point when you talk about attribution, because I think attribution is difficult. Because when you look at, for example, you know, we did a, we did an operation recently, and we, we found that what they were doing was they were outsourcing specific components. So for example, they needed somebody like Money Mules, they needed a, somebody to, you know, host the bullet, you know, the bulletproof hosting provider. And what they're now doing is, is they're now hiring specific individuals to perform specific tasks. And therefore, this concept of, I hate this, you know, these, these graphs where people go, this is a hacktivist, this is a, you know, criminal organization, this is a, I mean, that's, I think that was like five years ago. You know, the reality is, is it's a very professional, organized operation. And these guys go from, I guess, from cause to cause based upon the amount of money that they're, that they're, that they're charging and who's paying for them. But as we move into IoT, Intel's at the very, very heart of on-chip computing, isn't it? I, I tell you what, we have something so, so awesome coming up soon. We're designing an architecture for a smart city in which we're literally turning privacy on its head. And we're using something with informed consent. We're actually working with consumers around being able to leverage their personal data for economic value and economic gain. And that's the really, really, really fun part. I mean, you know, we're talking about an opportunity which is you know, every single household in the entire nations are going to be trading renewable energy with each other. So, for example, I can turn around and say, hey, I, uh, you know, Richard, do you want to buy I don't know, 12 kilowatts of energy from me for this price? Um, do you uh, do does this company want to buy my personal data for this amount of money? And that's the really fun part is that if you have a, you know, if you want to innovate and you want to do really, really remarkable, disruptive stuff, I think I've, you know, we've got this platform to be able to do that now. As an organisation, Intel globally has redefined what it means about throwing money into in, into research investment. But also, you're getting to a point where you're 
innovating in a wider community not just you know it, it's not just about microchip processing technology now it's not just about software defined controls it, it's a global responsibility isn't it you know i i, I want to actually i'm glad you bring this up because it's not about technology it's never been about technology it's not about it's not about bits and bytes and malware and ransomware it's about the impacts that we can have on society i mean you know, you, I mean, like you, you, I mean, we talk about the hospital example, but, you know, using big data to be able to analyze, you know, predictive patterns in regards to cancer research. Those are some of the things we can do. I mean, you know, autonomous cars and, you know, fully connected online lifts. And I mean, you know, what what's to say in five years or three, five years time, I'm going to get in my car and use a key, which is crazy, right? Why wouldn't I use biometric authentication to be able to va- validate who I am? with specific contextual requirements around, you know, the fact that I can use my thumbprint, which is connected to my steering wheel. I mean, it, it's it's a really, really exciting time to be in technology. Raj, always great to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can stream or subscribe to all the shows recorded this week via SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Be sure to catch up on Richard's latest security post at thestack.com, reporting on all this week's events here at the Moscone.